Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard here. It's Sarah in for Jane Klein. And right now we're looking at currency and commodities. Hi, Sarah. So the market, the markets were a bit all over the place this week. I mean, the gold price was down $66 an ounce to $2,581. Um, the currencies were, uh, we were down against the US dollar to 72.78, which is uh, the direction the Reserve Bank's trying to push us to mm. increase the Australian dollar. Yep. Uh, against the Great British Pound, we're down to 55.05 um, pence. And the euro, we were 61.78 euro pence. Euro cents, yes. So the the currencies were down. Um, The bright spot, of course, was after the COVID announcement, um, the the vaccine, or the vaccine that Pfizer's invented, we'll come back to it in a minute, Um, the markets all around the world went up dramatically and um, Australia was up uh, 4.8% on the week to 6,651. So um, there were some interesting things happen on the market. We'll we'll talk about that. Some things went up and some things went down. And uh, the S&P 500, which of course the US index, was was up 1.7% to 3,572. And the big surprise, of course, was the UK index, which is the the FTSE, went up to 6,000. 382, which is actually up 8%. Um, whether that's because they've, you know, the current COVID problems they got in the, sorry, the UK, um, I don't know. Um, and some stocks that local investors uh, uh, t- seem to like, um, they'll all be happy here. Uh, BHP was up 2.6, uh, $2.61 on the week to $36.85. Um, CBA was up $4.73 to $74.40. And NIB was up forty cents to four dollars seventy five, and even Telstra managed a twenty one cent increase to two dollars ninety nine. Okay. So everyone's a bit rich around here this week, I think. Hey, and that's not bad. The fuel price, um, the unloaded price was a dollar twenty one, which was down three cents on the week. Sydney a dollar eleven, which was up two cents on the week, and diesel in Newcastle a dollar nineteen, and in Sydney a dollar fourteen. That's been all over the shop lately. Fuel prices. Uh, fuel prices, yeah. I mean, so unpredictable. Um, we just get them off the NRM website, but there's also a government website, and I don't even know if there's a difference between them. That might be interesting one day. Some to, have to compare at, to compare which, which I mean, it's all to get depends which service stations they sample at the time. I imagine it certainly does. So, with everything being a little bit all over the place, is that indicative of the fact that uh, Pfizer have found a vaccine and some people are relaxing? And... Oh, I think I think um, yeah, I think some people are relaxing. The market reacted. Um, Interestingly, which we'll come on to in a moment, um, and I think the, the, some people think things are going to go back the way they were um, before um, pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, um, I personally think that's going to be um, a long time happening, and we, we can talk about the vaccine in a minute, and then you understand why. But but you know, you can always live in hope. Yeah, a, a new normal. I a think. New normal. I think things will have new to normal. change. A, a new, new normal. normal. Now, Stephen, I've heard a rumour that Henry Jennings has ditched us today for a television He's appearance. He's gone to a television show. Oh, we're playing well, second I'm fiddle sure here. I'm sure if he knew you were Sarah. Yeah, of course. It would have sure. changed things, but mm. he couldn't help getting his face on the television, mm. so I understand that. Anyhow. Look, it's time that we're going to have a look at uh, the, the market update and shares saw as Pfizer yeah, so, announced a vaccine for COVID. Yeah, so the big news this week, um, Pfizer, which is a, a US drug company, has come out and announced a, a vaccine that they've tested on 43,000 people and um they claim that it's got a 90% um, efficiency rate in, in preventing you catching um, 
COVID-19, okay. which is, which is I'm told, is quite high for any sort of vaccine I or drug to have a 90% effective Because there's always the anomaly and yeah, certain people always, that just, you know, it's yeah. not as effective on. Okay. Uh, that's right. Um, um, a couple of things, of course, about the vaccine is that it, one of the, the big problems with it, or, or one of the which won't be such a big problem in Australia, um, it has to be stored at minus 70 uh, degrees centigrade. You were telling me this off air and I went, really? Yes, and then you went and checked like <laughs> I did, but I was told. <laughs> then I went to the good yeah, old so Google. I, yes, so apparently in, um, thanks to you, I've discovered that the government's going to make these special eskies to distribute it around Australia. Mm. And mm. as you pointed out, you know, third world countries that don't have the resources, that's going to be difficult to transport there. Right. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and Pfizer is, has, has said they're working on um, converting it into a powder form. So, so that's, that's some good news. Of course, the market reacted to this very good news. Well, the, it was interesting, the reaction. The, the market as a whole went up, but um, particularly some of the, the, the traditional retail stocks went up. Um, the Westfield, uh, the old Westfield um, shopping centres operate the international operation that became Unibail. Um, it was up 44% at one stage. So that owns all the big shopping centres generally overseas or a lot of big shopping centres. So it was up 44%. Um, the, the shopping centres, um, shopping malls, listed stocks were up around 14% here in Australia. But interesting, the things that went backwards... Yeah were the e-commerce stocks. Okay. So so the market's kind of saying, I think, that, that yes, well, these e-commerce stocks have done very well while the, um, which is the Kogan's, the Temple and Webster and, and things like that, have done very well whilst people are locked up and they're continuing to buy stuff. Yes. But, but, but once this is over, they're going to go back to the traditional uh, shopping malls. Yeah, put our money elsewhere which, and which, go, which people is, want to get out of the house. Which is, I thought was interesting. So anyhow, that, that will that will uh, remain to be seen. Um, and uh, so we just have to wait for this vaccine to roll out and um, there will be others. I mean, the government said they're, they're going to have a raft of these um, or a number of choices you can make. That's right. There'll be the 2.0 versions and 3.0 mm -hmm. versions, but it's great to know it's that great to um, know someone's on the got way. Yes, that's great to know that someone's got there. Um, and then um, Woodside, um, to Woodside, which is the oil and gas producer basically in the northwest shelf, um, they, they bought um, they bought a part of a, a gas field off one of their joint venture partners, and now they've been trying to sell part of it off. And um, some of the Chinese buyers who were looking at buying have pulled out, citing the, the poor relationships with Australia at the moment. Oh, okay. Which is uh, which is an interesting kind. Um, and Coca-Cola, as we've spoke about before, our European Coca-Cola partners has made an offer for Coca-Cola Amateur, which is the local Australian bottler. Um, there has been some grumblings that the, the price isn't high enough, and now a couple of the institutional investors have also come out and said the price isn't being isn't high enough and I think the market's expecting a higher offer now. So if you've got any Coca-Cola amateur shares, I wouldn't be rushing in and um, selling Selling, those. hold on to them, on wait and see. Uh, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. Yeah, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners is an international um, company that invests in infrastructure and it turns out that during the height of pan the pandemic when people were throwing away um, sh uh, shares in uh, Sydney Airport when it got down to a very low price because mm. um, people thought that people will never fly again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so reactionary, aren't we? Yeah, so they've picked up 5% um, of Sydney Airport at bargain basement prices. Now, Sydney Airport, uh, look, it's going to take a while to recover. You know, this vaccine, if it works, um, and when it got to, you know, well, it's claims to work and got to be rolled out the population. Sydney Airport's 
saying they're not going to expect to return to previous travel levels to 2023 uh, and there's still the talk that's probably optimistic well that's what i reckon there's still talk that you're not going to be allowed overseas travel to 2021 um and and the interesting stat that came out um this week from i think was the national bank um came out with um this overseas travel isn't going to be such a bad thing for the Australian economy because apparently overseas, Australians travelling overseas spend more overseas than inbound tourists spend in Australia. Completely. So, so if that money's spent in the local tourist industry, and I know some of them here are having boom times, as we spoke about, you know, up the up, up at the bay, it's like Christmas. Oh, it is, and everyone's going out west. I've got friends in Broken yeah, Hill, yep, you know. Three, at least three everywhere. people are in Broken Hill. It's wonderful. So all this money that would have been sent overseas is going to be injected in the local economy. So I think that the tourism industry, now that the lockdowns are gone, at least in New South Wales and, and, and in Queensland for people who aren't in <laughs> Sydney. Check the borders. Um, it's very confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the local tourism industry is on the well way to recover. They might actually do better. Great. You know, That's great. Which will be good. Um, and someone who did not so well, um, which was not, was not unexpected, uh, CBA came out with their first half year profit, uh, first quarter profit, sorry, first quarter. The numbers say big anyhow, you'd think it was a half year. Yeah. So they made $1.8 billion for the first quarter, which is down 16%. Um, you know, banks bank banks margins are getting crunched. Um, the cash rates the cash rates come down. People want lower loan rates. Yes. Deposit rates are almost at you know less than one percent anyhow. So the only place that can come from is the margin from the bank. And 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 you notice that some of the banks are now offering even cheaper rates, particularly on fixed rate um, loans, where they're trying to lock yeah. in the margins for the next three to five years um but you know the, the reserve bank can only you know really drop the cash rate to zero and that's only <laughs> i don't know what difference is between point one and zero it's anyway. nearly as low as it can go yeah, so you'd, you'd expect that uh, bank profits aren't going to recover anytime soon you'd think they're going to have head lower still um and then macquarie made a 300 million dollar takeover bid for Vital Harvest. So Vital Harvest is a is a company or a trust actually that owns a number of farmlands that are leased to Costa that grow tomatoes and avocados and on berries and all that type of thing. Yeah. So so one of the things that's come out of COVID is COVID is there seems to be an increase in agricultural property prices and um record prices for agricultural properties um, and I think this is probably behind Macquarie's bid so you know interesting that to see will be interesting they, yeah and, and you know once again the dollar doesn't seem overly generous um, so we're probably going to see a higher offer there down the track now Stephen I know I made light of it and said oh it's all fun here today but you know it is true death and taxes we know that that they're two things that are happening for sure <laughs> Two things that are happening for sure, and Warwick's an expert on all of this, and he's going to talk to us about it today. Hello, Warwick. Hello, Sarah. How are you going, Stephen? I'm good, Warwick. Good. Yeah, death and taxes, it's quite interesting. Um, you know, um, in, in Australia, if you go to the ATO site, they say there's no such thing as an inheritance or estate tax. But then you roll it down and you look at income tax, capital gains tax, GST, superannuation, you think... Excuse me, isn't there an inheritance tax? Well, some people say the CGT's a, a, an inheritance tax in disguise, but anyhow. It is a little slow 
A slow ticking time bomb. Yes, a slow ticking time bomb. And then you've got this interesting saying here that I said that I saw the something about the wages of sin and death, but by the time taxes are taken out, it's just sort of a tired feeling. (laughs) (laughs) That's really a statement that I think most people who are listening who have ever been executors would relate to, Um, because by the time you've gone through everything and looked at what you've got to do as far as an executor and the uh, Deputy Commission of Taxation, you go, really? So an executor, so so an executor is the person who takes over um, when you pass away. You want to trust your executor by all accounts. <laughs> oh, the executor also needs to dis- trust the deceased person, Sarah. No, that's a good point. Be- so. Because you see, the executor when they take over and act under the terms of the will, or where there's no will and intestacy, they're and they're administrator. As far as the deputy commissioner is concerned, the executor is the taxpayer who's just died. Yeah. Okay. You can have multiple executives as well, can't you? Oh, every one of them. You know, you could have as many as you like, except that becomes a logistic problem. Mm -hmm. But um, executors are looked at and take over the deceased's um, tax responsibilities. So what are, the, what are the basic duties of the executor? So after you've found you've been given this office, so what, are you, what have you got to do? Well, you really don't need to do anything until the person passes away, except yes. you, they ought to give you some more information beforehand. But once you do, you are actually, as the executor, the person responsible for managing the estate. You actually are the person who has to say as to how the body is dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, that really was where the executive first started in, for, was a safety sort of situation, oh, okay. um, a health situation. And then you move on to gathering all the assets together, getting the, the will proved if you need to so that you can act on it. And then they've got to, they hold assets as trustees mm-hmm. and they are responsible to distribute them in accordance with the will mm-hmm. and they've got to pay out the debts. And one of those things that's a debt is tax. Mm-hmm. So what does getting the will prove mean? Um, getting the will prove, yeah, us lawyers love throwing words out. Yes, yes, um, I know. Getting the will prove <laughs> Some of our listeners actually... might know what they mean. <laughs> it's quite true. It's actually the application for the grant of probate. So what a court does, it doesn't just um, ask you to pay probate duty. That doesn't exist anymore. That went quite a few decades ago. All that capital gains tax is sort of coming in in that area. Mm-hmm. But what it does do is the court looks at the will, looks what's in the deceased's uh, estate, what assets they have, see whether the will has done been done correctly, see whether the will deals with all the estate of the person who's passed away, mm-hmm. and looks as, as if it looks to see whether, in fact, there's any concerns about what happened when the will was done, and they you've got to file a death certificate, and sometimes there's information interesting information on the death certificate um, then the court says that's fine and they approve the appointment of the executor mm-hmm. and they issue the probate with the list of the deceased assets attached to it so that then says to the banks the share companies etc everybody who's dealing with them those who are owning land it says that these two people or this person appointed as executor can deal with all those people's, those deceased person's assets. Mm-hmm. And if you, the bank, hold money for that deceased person, you can pay it to that executor because the court says you can. Can the executor overwrite the will? 
details no. in the will? No. Okay. No. So, so it's this this probate process where, whereas if you don't like what you what's sitting in the will, that's where you can go and object. Is that right? If you if you don't like if if you're an executor and you don't like in in the will, you've got a big problem because the executor has to fulfil the terms of the will. But what happens if you're left out of the will? Is that is this when? Oh, you're... that's a completely different question, Stephen. Sorry, if, is that where you object <laughs> when the private spend hours on that one? But if if you come within certain groups of people called an eligible person and children and spouses are eligible people, mm-hmm. you are able to contest a will in the sense of saying that will does not adequately provide for me, but you've got to prove that it does not adequately provide for you. It's a statutory right and you've got to tick it off in accordance with the Act of Parliament that deals with that called the Succession Act. Yeah, so you do that when the probate's been granted, do you? You do that... Well, you can do it beforehand, but yep. the court can't deal with... Can't, the court can't make any order in regard to a contest of the um, for further provision um, until probate's been granted. That's okay. got to happen. Stephen, some people contest wills on the basis that they say when the person made the will... It's not valid because they lack capacity, or there was unfair influ- uh, influence yeah. impounded. That's a different thing. Yeah, no, I was just getting that. Program. I was just trying to work out where that fits in oh. without going into all the complex. Well, things. I've got a question, uh, Warwick. Can you go the other way, and can you explicitly put in a will that you don't want someone to receive anything? Can you do that? Yeah, you can. And and but that, that doesn't mean it's going to work. So that can still be contested. Um, as I said, the right to claim under Succession Act, which is a statutory right, you cannot remove a statutory right. Right, okay. So if you say, I'm not going to pay to Bill my son because he was a bad son, um, it, Bill by being your son, if he can show he qualifies and can prove the things that are required and very simply show a clear need... Um, the court will ignore your statement. Mm-hmm. It will take it into account and will look at what happened and Bill would have to prove that. And so, But um, it is able to be contested. Okay. And so the executor becomes a, another term I've heard, legal personal representative of the deceased. Yeah, that's the, that's the term for an executor, a legal personal representative. Yes. And so what do they have to do from a tax point of view here? Well, from a tax point of view, it's really quite onerous and a lot of people don't realise, you know, if you're dealing with mum who's in aged care and died in her elderly years, has not been filing tax returns and has been on the pension, it's a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone who's got business interests, has also been involved with trusts, have self-managed super funds, or is regularly filing tax returns, um, you, the executor has to file the tax return for the deceased person for the year that they died. Mm-hmm. We call it the year of death tax return. Mm-hmm. They also then, depending on how long the estate goes and what's in the estate and whether there's income earned by the estate, or the estate sells assets that are accessible for capital gain, mm-hmm. the estate has to file tax returns. Mm-hmm. And then all of that's got to be paid from the estate's assets by the executor who is meeting the debts um, and making sure that the debts of the deceased person are paid before any 
many of the beneficiaries get their money. Okay. That's why it takes so long. Yes. We it might... can take a while depending on what's in the estate. So the executor pays out all the debts. What happens if there's not enough money to pay out all the debts? Then you have a bankrupt estate, uh, Stephen. And what happens and then? What happens then? You, The executor's got to do it on priority as to who's secured creditors, what it is, and um, there are rules about that, but obviously nobody gets anything out of the estate. Mm-hmm. It goes to pay the creditors. That would be even more complex. It can be quite complex, and remember, the tax man's got his hand out at that stage as well. Okay. I don't want to be an executor anymore. <laughs> I've decided I don't want to be that anymore, ever. Sarah, there is, um, it really is, the devil's in the detail when it comes to tax. It um, is. And it's, it's quite a, an issue that pops up. Um, say, for just to give you an example, say if you haven't, you're dealing with something and it's a friend and you discover they haven't filed returns for three years before they died and they should have. Mm-hmm. The executive's got to file those returns. Oh, I can barely do my own tax, let alone anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I mean, I had a story, I heard a story, it wasn't asked, but I did hear a story that someone hadn't filed for 20 years and they had to, the executive had to run around and try and piece that <gasps> together. It, I've just, done eight years, Steve. It'd just be a horrendous nightmare. Oh. A nightmare. It's, it's a nightmare, and what if you don't know, you know, do you know the tax file number? Um, what if you don't know, how do you find out? Fortunately, there are a few things. The tax man was very difficult before because it was privacy, mm-hmm. and you're, you're for, we all don't want people bringing up the commissioner and saying, tell them about Warwick's tax affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all private, but when someone dies... What if you don't know? And just this year, the tax man has set up a protocol whereby if you're an executor with a grant of probate, he will talk to you and provide you information for the last three years of the deceased person. Well, that's a plus. Um, and the other, the other big, the other big issue we've encountered with these estates um, is people have bought various bits of property, whether real estate or shares or mm. whatever. And they haven't kept any of the records. And, Big problem. And you, you, when you come to sell them, you don't know what the capital gains tax calculation is. Where's the spreadsheet, people? Yeah. I know, and that's a real problem. Where do you go? How do you piece it together? You've got to go back to the share registries. Um, there's money involved. There's expense involved trying to drag out all the information. Uh, and if you don't have all that is necessary to set the work out the cost base index, you've got a problem. Yeah. And it can be very expensive piecing this together. It can be, and it has to be done, because if you don't piece it together and you're the executor, then you are... A lot of people don't understand that the tax man can come and knock in on your door. You personally, yeah. And say, hey, you're the executor, you took on that responsibility... Pay the money. So you and you might left. go, hold on a sec, wow. but I paid it to the beneficiaries. Well, the taxman's going to say, he, he will understand, but he will say, get it from the beneficiaries. Hmm, well, good and, luck. And so you could be left having to fork out with your own money. Correct. Wow. And that's why people need to make sure that they attend to their duties as executors and protect themselves. And that's part of the job of... Um, lawyers in this area they need to be proactive in protecting their clients and there's a couple of things you can do sarah so luckily the tax man has realized that there are things that need to be done so if you fit within the common range of somebody's got a property 
um, some super in, say, um, a public offer fund, you know, like AMP or State Super or something like that. You've got shares that are commonly available ASIC, and your investment doesn't go up, and your assets don't exceed $5 million, and there's nothing that you own outside Australia, then he says if you fill, file this form, and there's a specific form, as an executive, given notice to me that the taxpayer's died, um, I will, after six months, excuse you. Okay. okay. But you have to have filed all returns up to date. You have to have paid out all tax that's been assessed and issued. And you have to, if you know that there's been fiddling with the tax, have made it right. Mm-hmm. So is there a time limit when you've got to do all this? Um, there's the normal time limit. Um, okay. To give that notice to the taxman, there's no set time limit, except once you give it, it starts a clock for six okay. months, Stephen. Okay. Okay. But um, And you don't want to do it too early because you want to talk to a tax agent first to make sure that they get on to the tax portal to get in all the information out if they acted for the deceased person mm-hmm. before you notify the commissioner. Because the moment you file that notice, the commissioner goes, I'm not going to talk to anybody who's not the executor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the only other problem, of course, when you file that notice, it's not a simple thing to do. There's a process to go through, and basically you've got to go online, fill out the form, print it out, go down to the post office, identify yourself to the post office, um, and there's a pro forma what to do. I'm being very simple about this. Yes. And then it gets lodged with the tax man. No, forms aren't... ATA forms generally aren't simple, so... so. <laughs> or their websites, but... Uh, oh, the websites are fount of information, but, Sarah, I would agree. People, when Not they take on... When they take on the job of being an executor, they need to understand what they're taking on. And just... Well, just one quick thing to finish off on. Um, so there's, there's confusion. People say joint assets and... and as to what that actually means, there's a, there's there's joint assets and tenants in common. People often get confused. Correct. So how how do you kind of tell which is which? Um, it's how you tell the difference is this: with land, you will own it jointly either as joint tenants, and it will be on the title. It will use the words joint tenants or tenants in common. Mm-hmm. If it's tenants in common, the, your interest or the deceased person's interest passes according to the will. If it's joint tenants, the interest in the land passes to the other person on the title by survivorship. It doesn't matter what the will says at all. Mm-hmm. Assets away from um, land are treated as joint tenants assets unless something else is indicated. Okay. 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 So which is So if what? you've got a bank account in the name of two people, yes. mum and dad, and dad dies, mum can go to the bank with the death certificate and the account gets put in her name. Okay. But right. if the bank are aware that the account's in both names and dad's, there's a note on the file or dad, there's some document there that says mum holds it in trust for dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The bank will say no, no, no. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's different. 
Okay. Well, I think <gasps> that's a lot to think there. There's a lot think to think about. there. And mm. uh, as, as usual, nothing simple. Um, but Warwick's attempted to help us. Well, it's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know what you're potentially walking into. It's okay. better to ask, Sarah, than just assume. Okay. Most definitely. Well, Warwick, thank you for the insight this afternoon. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Glad to help. Thanks, Warwick. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>